So one of my favorite stories uh, in the Old Testament is the story of uh, Elijah and Mount Carmel, where he challenges the prophets of Baal. It's, just, it's a great story. Uh, many of you know the story. Uh, the way it goes is that uh, Elijah calls 400 prophets of Baal up on Mount Carmel, and they're going to have a challenge. And he says, you know, it's to see whose God is the best. And so, you know, we'll each call, ask our God to, to send fire from heaven, and uh, you go first. And so the prophets of Baal go, and they're, they're screaming, and they're praying, and they're dancing around, and nothing is happening. And Elijah says, you know, maybe you need to, to yell louder because he can't hear you. Maybe your God can't hear you, or maybe your God is taking a nap, or maybe you know, he's doing, gone for a walk, and just, you just need to yell louder. So they yell louder and louder and louder, and still nothing, nothing happens. And then it comes his turn, and Elijah says, first, before I pray, uh, I want you to bring buckets of water, and I want you to water down this offering area the altar area, and so they pour water. He says, go get some more, and they pour some more, go get some more, they pour some more. So it's completely saturated, uh, the altar area, and then he, he prays, and uh, God sends fire down from heaven immediately, and then the prophets of Baal, uh, you can read the story, uh, they, they don't, it doesn't end well for them. Um, but here's what I want to look at today. I want to look at what happens after that. Uh, because you would think that everything that happened after that would be just great, right? I mean, Elijah has reached maybe the height of prophecy and you know, being a, an Old Testament prophet. This is one of the most incredible events that we have recorded in Scripture. Uh, unbelievable thing. And it doesn't just stop there. He, immediately after this happens and the, you know, the fire consumes the altar, right after that he says uh, to Ahab, it's, it's going to rain. Now, it hasn't rained for three and a half years. And Elijah was one that prophesied that it wouldn't rain. And now he says, Rain's coming. There's not a cloud in the sky. Maybe it's, I think it says maybe there's this cloud the size of a man's fist. And he says, it's going to rain. And it rains. And then, in addition to that, Elijah runs back to Jezreel, and he beats the chariots. He beats the horses. He outruns the horses, y'all, to get back to Jezreel. So three unbelievable things happen. And so you would think Elijah's on cloud nine. I mean, this is the, how can it get any better? So we're going to take a look at 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, verses 1 through 14. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom 
bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And a voice said to him, Where, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today. Uh, just open our, our hearts and our minds to the things that you want to teach us. We need to hear from you. Uh, Lord, there's, there's no one here today who needs to hear from me or any other person, but we all need to hear from you. And so I pray, open our ears and let us hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. So I was telling some of the prayer teams before the service today, I was gonna to talk today about times when the enemy attacks. And I can sum that up in one sentence, all the time. It's all the time. Uh, he, he is crafty, and he is sneaky, and he is lurking about at all times, looking for a weakness, looking for a place to attack. Uh, one of my favorite books is uh, Three Battlegrounds by Francis Frangipane. In the, in the uh, introduction to the book, or the foreword to the book, uh, Francis says, um, sage treachery will always trump youthful zeal. And what he means by that is, is simply that the enemy's been doing this for a really long time. He's, he's been doing this thing for a really long time, and he's, he's pretty good at it. And if we attempt uh, to wrestle him in our own strength, in our own flesh, we will lose 
99 times out of 10. And so it's so important that we lean into God. So, so what I want to talk about today are some, uh, some times when we are more vulnerable to the enemy's attack. Because if we can avoid uh, these attitudes, uh, these thought processes, uh, and stay in the proper alignment, uh, then the enemy's still going to attack, but we won't, we won't be as vulnerable. So here's the thing. Number, number one, uh, number one time when we are vulnerable to the enemy's attack is when we think we've arrived. When we think we have arrived. Uh, sometimes we are most vulnerable right after something incredible. Uh, some revival or, or encounter or breakthrough that's happened in us. And the reason is because we somehow believe that all the bad stuff is now behind us. And that no more trouble. There's no more trouble. It's just going to be smooth sailing from now on. Everything's going to be great. Because guess what? I am strong enough now. I am strong enough now. I think Elijah sprinted back to Jezreel in the power of the Spirit, believing that when he got there, one of two things would happen with Ahab and Jezebel. Either they would repent or they would die. Either they would repent or they would die. And instead, he's greeted with a death threat. And Jezebel says, oh yeah, I heard about what you did. And I'm going to do it to you. And so what does it say? It says that Elijah was afraid. Let's think about this. This is the same guy, and he stood on a mountain with 400 false prophets fearlessly. But he's afraid of one woman. Makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> so Elijah gets back, and he's thinking things are going to go you know, more favorably, and they don't. He immediately hits resistance, and he thinks, after all the Lord has done, still, this is still happening? We're still going to do this? Uh, we need to have a healthy identity. We need to know who we are in the Lord. We need to know that we have value. We need to walk as sons and daughters, not slaves. And yet, we need to not think more highly of ourselves than we should. We need to see ourselves as God sees us, but we need to not think more highly of ourselves than we should. I, I, I think sometimes that we need a Christian handicap index. Right, Anthony? If you play golf, you keep a handicap index, and it tells you how good you are, how bad you are, Every time you play, you put your score into your handicap index, and it tells you how good you are. And so there's no opportunity for you to think that you're better than you are. And so if we could figure out a way to do a Christian handicap index, then we would all know where we stand. And guess where we stand? Not that great. Not that great. 
You see, the, the gospel, what, what we've kind of misunderstood in some ways is that the gospel message is not you're awesome, you're wonderful, you're amazing. You know what the gospel message is? You're broken, you're a mess, you need help. That's the message. That's the reason Jesus came, is because we were fallen, we were broken, we were a mess, and we get like Elijah. Some God, God does some incredible thing through us, and we think, <laughs> look at here, look at me, check me out. Did you see that? 400 prophets, 400 prophets, and I won. When we think too highly of ourselves, it's trouble. I'm not saying you should think badly of yourself. You should just think accurately of yourself. There's one thing that we know for certain attracts the presence of God. Humility. The Bible says clearly that God gives grace to the humble but resists the proud. If you want to be confident in God's power and ability, be confident in God's power and ability. But if you want to be confident in your power and ability, get ready to fall on your face. In this life, we will have trouble. But what we want that verse to read, when Jesus said, in this life you'll have trouble, what we want it to say is, in this life you'll have trouble until you reach a certain place of maturity and then it stops. And it just doesn't say that. And so the first place that we're vulnerable is when we think more highly of ourselves than we should, when we feel like that we have arrived, when we think that we have advanced past that place of difficulty. Second place that we're vulnerable is when we're tired. You're vulnerable when you're tired. I don't care how spiritual you are, you need food and you need rest. You know why? The angel of the Lord says it clearly to Elijah. This journey is too much for you. If you want to write anything down, write that down. This journey is too much for you. And you need food and you need rest. I've got a group of, of uh, folks that I've been working with. We've been uh, working now for about six months on uh, developing a rule of life uh, or a rhythm of life. And uh, one of the things we talked about is the importance of rest uh, and the, important, the importance of, of eating right because physically, we, we need to be healthy physically and spiritually and emotionally and relationally. It's not all just uh, the, the spiritual aspect of your life. And so the angel says to Elijah, eat. In fact, tells him twice to eat and rest. Eat and rest and then go. Elijah was tired. He had done a lot. He was physically wiped out. And the angel of the Lord didn't say to him, suck it up, keep going. He said, rest. And for some, 
in this room, resting is the hardest thing in life. I, I said to my wife one time, because my wife is a three on the Enneagram. You don't know what a three is? That motor's running all the time, y'all. It's a, she's going to achieve. She's going to accomplish. She's going to do stuff. And I said, why don't you just rest? And she said, rest is not restful for me. If God had not wanted us to rest, we would never get tired. He created us the way he created us so that we would rest. And he rested. After six days of creation, God rested. So rest is important. Uh, The third place uh, where we're vulnerable is when we isolate ourselves. When we isolate ourselves. Elijah goes off, he, he wanders off into the wilderness, and then he tells his servant, you stay here, and he goes on a little bit further. So in this time where he's depressed, he's feeling threatened, he's afraid, he needs his servant more than at any time. He didn't need his servant up on Mount Carmel when things were going great. He needs his servant now, and what does he do? He, he pushes him away, and he isolates himself, and we tend to do that. Uh, We isolate ourselves when we're sad. We isolate ourselves when we're disappointed. We isolate ourselves when we're ashamed or embarrassed, and those are the times when we actually need to pull people closer. When we isolate, we set ourselves up for failure. Elijah says to the Lord, I'm the only one. How many of you know that wasn't true? If you read the story, it's not true. He's not the only one. He meets another guy on the road who has hidden a hundred prophets. So there's at least a hundred, but in Elijah's eyes, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. When you isolate yourself, whether it's physically, emotionally, or mentally, when you isolate yourself and you make it all about you, you're vulnerable for the enemy's attack. And then the fourth place that we're vulnerable is uh, when we've been disappointed by other people. Verse 19, the Lord comes to Elijah and says, What are you doing here? Elijah says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with swords. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. Poor me. I've been faithful and zealous, and everybody else has failed. That's what Elijah says to God. I've done everything right, and everybody else has done everything wrong. We've all been disappointed. It's not fun being disappointed. It's not fun when leaders disappoint you. I've disappointed some of you this week. How'd that feel? 
Didn't feel good for you, didn't feel good for me. We've all been disappointed, it's not fun, it hurts, especially when we're disappointed or hurt by God's people. Some of you have been wounded deeply by people that you trusted deeply. And that's, that's when it really hurts, really hurts badly. But here's the thing. Don't put your faith in the choices of other people. Put your faith in God. Put your faith in his holiness and his perfect love. This is what God says to Elijah. When Elijah is feeling his worst, when he is depressed and wants to die, the Lord doesn't say, hey, come on, let me go put you back in the game. Let's go find some more prophets of Baal and we'll let you do your trick again. He doesn't say that. What he says to Elijah is, look at me. Get ready. Get ready because the Lord is coming by. The presence of the Lord is the key. He is the only one who has never messed up. Now, Elijah was not 100% right when he said, everybody else has blown it, and I'm the only one who hasn't. But the thing that he did miss is that God has never blown it. God has never messed up. As human beings, we make mistakes, and we tend to let each other down and disappoint each other. Sometimes we, we do it over and over. That's why we need God so much, because we need in this equation, if I'm going to have a relationship with you, and you're going to have a relationship with me, and we are both, we both have tendency to fail, we better include someone in that equation who doesn't, right? Doesn't that help? Doesn't it help the mixture? If in that conversation or in that relationship, we bring in someone who never fails, and so this is, this is key. We need to believe with others, but we need to believe in God. Believe with others. We need fellowship. We need relationship. We don't want to isolate. We don't want to be alone. But my faith is in God. I will believe with you, but I will believe in him. I want to circle back and say again that in this whole piece, the, the biggest piece uh, for me, I, I believe, is, is humility. Um, because God wants to use you. And when he does and amazing things happen, it's hard as a human being not to look at the great things that happen and go, wow, I'm pretty impressed with myself when actually it's God who does it. Part of Elijah's problem was that he defeated 400 prophets of Baal and he thought he did it. And he didn't do it. God did it. And so, if we can keep the posture of humility, knowing that God gives grace to the humble but resists the proud, that's, that's the place of thriving. That's the place of life. That's the place of increase, is the place of humility.
And the minute that we begin to make it about us, the minute that we begin to think more highly of ourselves, and we should, we become vulnerable to the enemy. And sage treachery will trump youthful zeal. So let's pray. Well, we know that everything we are, everything we have, and everything that we can do that is of any value is because of you and from you. And so if, if any of us, if any of us, myself included, have taken credit for things that you do, have, have taken glory, taken your glory, uh, we repent. We repent today. And Lord, we, we ask you to, to help us to, to regain the proper perspective that this is about us being surrendered to you. You're in charge. We're not in charge. We don't want to be in charge. You're in charge. All the glory goes to you. Lord, I pray our hearts would be humble so that you would be drawn to us. And where there's pride, Holy Spirit, convict us so that we can turn and move away from pride into that place of proper alignment with you. We need you, God. We can't fix our lives. We certainly can't fix other people's lives. We need you. Holy Spirit, we need you in us. Help us, fill us, change us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna ask our teams to come, our prayer teams to come and get in place so we get ready to have a time of ministry. And uh, so what I don't want you to feel is if you're going through a hard time where you feel like you're being uh, attacked, you're in spiritual warfare, I don't want you to feel shame over that. I want you to get help. <laughs> so if that's you today, uh, we have teams that would love to pray with you. Don't be that person like Elijah that when you're in a tough spot, sneaks off and finds a tree to hide under and ask God to kill you. That's not a good solution. So do not isolate yourself. Take advantage of the opportunity today to come close to a friend, to a fellow church member, and be prayed for. It's a big deal, it's important, all right? I want you to stand and I'm gonna pray for us. We're gonna worship and you can come for prayer. Uh, in a few minutes, I'll, uh, I'll come up and dis dismiss us. But for now, let's just allow the Lord to speak to us and lead us. Holy Spirit, Pray that you move in this room. Some people came today knowing that they needed an encounter with you. Some people came 
hoping they would have an encounter with you. Some people came just because they come. But regardless, you have something for every person here. And so I pray, open our eyes and open our hearts to what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen.